more and more we're coming up against this challenge where people say, hey, anyone who's talking, you know, I won't name names, but there are certain pensions that have been vocal on if you are an ESG manager, we're not going to invest with you. We don't agree with that. We agree with only risk and return. Whereas I'm saying, and so, you know, we're not the only people saying this, we too only look at risk return. And we think that there are increased risks of not being in the right places. And the return, look, people are saying, well, do you take on more risk or lower returns to go green? We're saying there are places in the market where it's there's massive return opportunities, and that doesn't rely on your moral or ethic view on this. So just as an example, right, we have massive spending. The IRA in the you know Inflation Reduction Act, Europe has for fit for 55. Europe has also got Repower EU, which is to fight against Russian energy dependence. They're pumping money. The governments and the corporations are pumping huge amounts of money into innovating away from fossil fuel. It doesn't matter if you like that or not. That's what's happening. And so there's a few places here that I think we could go on the fat pitch that you mentioned, but there's carbon markets. There's the commodities, the very specific commodities, and then there's the transition equity. So there's three, what we feel are the three fat pitches, and we've talked about one or two of them today, that right down the middle hit this from a purely investment. You can look your green investors in the eye and say, I'm doing something to help the planet and make you some money. And you can look at your investors who, for whatever reason, have no interest in the planet and say, I've got you this great thing that's a diversifier and it's going to make you a lot of money. And of, of course, let me just not say something, you know, promise it, make you a lot of money, has a lot of potential to make you a lot of money in this environment that's developing. Well, Luke, you mentioned it. You said the demand. I mean, we can't understate the demand. It's a wall of stimulus. I mean, think about it. This is the UN Climate Action Report, right? To limit warming to, and this is from their report, to limit war warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, which is the goal, right? As part of the Paris Agreement, you have to peak global gas emissions by 2025, and then there's estimated to be 1.6 to 3.8 trillion each year through 2050 yep. to transition that way. So think about what that means from a demand perspective with a lot of these. And you're the commodity expert. So love your thought on this. That wall of demand, which you know how governments spend money. I can't remember a time a government has underperformed on yep. the top end of the band with spending money. So let's just put that out there. And then next that wall of demand with what is commonly referred to as tight supply. I mean, we've got really tight supply if you think about a lot of these key metals. So let's start there. Walk me through yep. that supply and demand imbalance and what that could potentially mean. So first of all, the numbers that we've been looking at are even higher than the numbers you're quoting. Right? You're, you're talking like two to three. I'm thinking yeah. about five. It's about 130 to 140 billion between now and 2050. It's a huge number. Uh, I wrote it myself, but I think it's a really good paper. If you, if you want to check it out, it's called The Biggest Short, because obviously when I'm trying to connect it to The Big Short to get people's attention, but I think of this as the biggest short squeeze. We have polluted and pumped carbon into the market. We now need to cover that. We put too much into the atmosphere. We need to pull that back and stop putting it out there. And to close that short squeeze is going to cost us 140 trillion. I said billion earlier, 140 trillion. To, to, to me, this is like Independence Day. This is, if the aliens came down, we'd all jump in, we'd all learn to be fighter pilots and we'd all do every, we'd all fight, the whole world would fight against the aliens. We need to react to this globally. And so, 
you know, even with deep globalization occurring, this is something that we're actually getting closer on. You know, we look, look at COP27 this year or UNPRI and various other global discussions are all focused. Davos is on right now. I haven't heard a lot of reports out of Davos this week yet, but I bet they're talking about energy transition and, and funding it and where it'll be funded, where the investments are. This is where the money's moving. Tr- trillions, hundred over a hundred trillion is moving. You want to be there and position for where that money's going. So it's a huge amount. And yeah, so just just uh, talk about like electric vehicles as an example. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start from a short like amount of metals that's required. And then you think about like, I read somewhere that uh, just based on Tesla's expected production, which is probably lower than what we saw previously, and this was the 2021 report, that they take down something like 130% of global lithium production. And I was thinking yep. that is pretty massive. So you start to think about that. And then you think about copper shortages. And, so you know, how- this is it. This is, this is totally it. So this is why we launched our metals fund that does exactly this. It has copper. It has lithium. It has cobalt. Has Tell nickel. the crowd what the symbol is. So K- we can K-M-E-T. K-MET. K for crane and MET for, for metal. K-MET. And, and we hold all of those metals, aluminum, copper. Now, if you're talking EVs, everyone goes, okay, that's that's your lithium bat- batteries. You need lithium. But we, the thing I hear from the, the naysayers is, how can we all have electric cars? The grid isn't powerful enough for everyone to be on electric cars. So guess what? All this, where this money's going to upgrade the grid. We're going to need more copper than we've ever needed before. They say it's, you know, it could be up to 4x the amount of copper between now and 2030 than we've been been using currently. So to put it into context, in your gasoline car, you've got a big chunk of iron in the front. The engine block's made of iron. So it's like less than 50 kilos of these metals in in an ICE car, internal combustion engine. In the electric car, it's almost a completely different creature. just looks kind of roughly the same. You've got, I think it's over 200 kilograms of copper, aluminum, zinc, nickel, graphite, um, lithium, the, the manganese creating this. So there's, so the, when we switch cars, we might need less iron, but we're going to need a lot and less steel maybe, but we're going to need a lot more of all of these. Um, I don't, they're not rare earth metals. Some of them are, but these are, these are more niche, niche mar, uh, metals. And we're going to completely change the demand and the demand for the traditional metals like copper and aluminum. Mm-hmm.